0: This is Dennis Ramonni. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. We want to first thank those people that have been contributing to keep us on the air. And uh, we're not a nonprofit, but if you want to help us out, uh, you can go to our website, spiritmatterstalk.com, and you'll see where you go there to uh, uh, help keep us in business. We have about, uh, I don't know, 280 shows now. In our archives, many great guests including the guest we have today. Uh, Our guest today, Acharya Sunya. She is a wisdom teacher and catalyst for empowering health and elevating consciousness worldwide. She is an award-winning internationally renowned author, speaker, and scholar of non-dual wisdom and classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda. Uh, Her new book, Sovereign Self, we'll be talking about today And I also want to mention her podcast, Shadow uh, to Self. And uh, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on with us today.
1: Such a pleasure, Dennis. And uh, thank you so much, Phil, for having me here.
2: It's our pleasure, Shunya. Fill our listeners in. We'll get to the topic of your new book and other things. Uh, Fill us in on your spiritual background, where it is. Arose and what brought you to the work you do here in in the U.S. and your new book?
1: Well, my ancestors have been living in a tiny holy city in northern India, which you're very familiar with, which is Ayodhya. Actually, never
2: been there, but I will.
1: Oh, I must invite you there then. Yes. So my ancestors have been there, and we trace our ancestry. the Rigaveda and um, our ancestors supposed to have been teaching this knowledge and uh, we're householder sages and I think karma decided that I would fulfill something I must have started in previous lifetimes I was born as the uh, granddaughter of the teacher uh, who taught through the 20th century who was the son of a great saint in the 19th century And I'm the first female lineage holder and I think I'm making my lineage proud. (laughs) So. And were you named
2: lineage holder by your grandfather?
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) He chose me at the age 24, though I didn't take on my first spiritual student until 40 and I was just doing the work, trying to be that person that would not then look back once I started
0: i have a question <clears throat> when you were growing up you come from a spiritual tradition you come from ayodhya which i associate i believe with the ramayana uh and and uh and uh Charya, when you were a young child did you feel this was your destiny or is it something that came later in life
1: no i didn't understand words like destiny back then i was uh, a child, but I was always curious and I was always learning and I was steeped in the learning, but all these words like steeped in learning came later. It was part of our life to go to school and Mm -hmm. to study the scripture, the Shastra with our teacher. And he chose me among other girls, students and the the Gurukulam, our wisdom school had been open to the female gender, 1935 onwards. It was not a big deal for me to Mm -hmm. study. And in fact, I had my own shadow, I had my doubts, I had my distractions, mm-hmm. and, and India was changing, the world was changing. And I was influenced by Western teachings, philosophy, I was much more, um, you know, I had, a, I had a more contemporary upbringing than my grandfather, great grandfather, who are more steeped in the traditional path, I had all of it. And I, then I had to come to it, I had to come back to it. I even had a period of not wanting to be a part of it in all honesty, and, and, and then I had to reclaim it. And I think this whole process allows me to be a, a 21st century teacher instead of saying, I was born in it, I knew my destiny, right. and yay, it mm-hmm. didn't happen mm-hmm. like that with me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and also, if I understand the chronology correct, you didn't actually begin teaching until you were you were already a, a household, you had a child, and, and um, you were in the US? Yes,
1: I was in the US. I mean, I've always been teaching from a young age, assisting my grandfather, I was writing. I was, because Ayurveda and yoga are part of our lineage, I was also doing small amounts of teaching. Uh, even prior to my marriage and then through my marriage. But to be on the world stage, to write the books I'm writing, to to be an advisor to the government of India now on these matters, this is all has come once I I felt I'm honestly ready to carry this lineage forward. Part of an ancient lineage is we have a lot of checks and balances. So we don't go on a world tour declaring ourselves as an acharya. Unless we feel we are ready, and I had my own parameters to match. <laughs>
0: I, I, w- I wanted to ask. I was reading about you, and and one uh, you you in one of the areas where I was reading, you speak about the four Vedic aims of life. And uh, could could you tell us what those are?
1: Indeed, um, dharma, artha, kama, moksha. These are the four given aims that are supposed to help. Every embodied soul find their purpose in a day-to-day sense and in the larger bird's eye view. And Artha Kama, which is Artha means survival, profession, basic material prosperity. Karma means pleasure for pleasure's sake. No no explanations needed. Hmm. Artha Kama come naturally to all human beings. Dharma, which is a conscious way of life. And Moksha, which is the falling away of all delusions, the Kshaya of Moha the falling away of all misconceptions to recognize your true light nature. These come through instruction, sacred instruction, sacred discipline, and a sacred perseverance to find our true path. And um, all our lives, I think the three of us here, we can all attest to dharma and moksha making us more than we thought we were mm-hmm. pursuit.
2: Uh, uh, Shunye- I want to get back to the idea of lineage. Uh, you are a lineage holder. Many of the teachers uh, who become famous, and some of the, the ones that just have small followings, are uh, they're not part of a lineage. They are self-anointed, in a sense and or have had a certain realization and body of study and begin to teach without a connection to a lineage. What are the risks of that? What are the values and virtues of being associated with a lineage? And how important do you think that is?
1: A lineage is known as a sampradaya. And a lineage holds the knowledge. See, in in the Vedic tradition, uh, the teacher is only a conduit of eternal knowledge in the Vedas. So it was not, the teacher is not worshipped or put on a stage. A teacher is a transmitter of accurate knowledge. And every sampradaya or lineage has mastered certain texts versus other texts. A certain path like karma yoga or jnana yoga or bhakti yoga or, and which Veda, Rigasam, Yajuratharva, which Veda, etc. So when you come from a lineage, you have, um, clarity on the sequential knowledge, you have clarity of the path versus just making it up as you go. And you also have do's and don'ts of acharya dharma, teacher's dharma, shishya dharma, when you are a shishya disciple, what is that dharma? What are our boundaries? What What, what, what happens if, and we are even informed of like karmic and other transgressions, Uh, um, uh, consequences of our transgressions. So in a way, a sampradaya prepares us for whatever dharma we have to lead. Not every student becomes an acharya. And probably that is why it took me a while to step into being the acharya that my teacher had seen I would become Mm -hmm. um, because of being in the lineage. And sometimes if we do things too quickly, then, um, you know, along with hurting others who are sincere seekers, we ourselves get caught up in a web of self-deception is what I would say. Also, we're not know-it-all teachers in the Vedic tradition. It is the Shastra, which is self-revealed. So we know where to go to look for answers. So if somebody asks me something um, that I don't have a, 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 a direct relationship with that question, because that's not been my question, I can go back to the works of Vyasacharya, Shankracharya, Atma Prakashacharya, These are my ancestors. I can go back, I can learn and I can say, well, a couple of people have seen it this way, maybe it's gonna work for you. So the lineage prevents um, the misinformation. I think ultimately it was the guardianship of the knowledge, not secrecy, but the correct transmission And also the disciplines that should be had within us in terms of our diet, lifestyle, morality, to be able to bring it together. So being a 21st century acharya, when my marriage fell apart, the first one, it was like, whoa, I don't know where to go now to see if I can be an acharya or not. And so then the best thing I thought was, let me talk about it. Let me put it out there, you know. Let me say, look, this is what happens in the 21st century. But this is how I use the wisdom to come into alignment with my path. So ultimately, it is the shastra or this teach or the text or the the written and orally transmitted teachings which are the teacher. And Dennis, we can try I follow to move up? up okay, it.
2: go ahead. Uh, so- you alluded to something I wanted to follow up with, which is, are there disadvantages to be part being part of a lineage? And what I had in mind is uh, I see certain lineages get stuck in and unable to adapt to changing conditions in a different, in a world, you know, the world of 2021 being very different from the 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 world of the past, and so uh, the being able to adapt to changing conditions, to new cultures, and so forth. Is that uh, does does being part of a of a lineage uh, restrict you, anybody in that way?
1: It depends on how you define a lineage. Phil, well, if you define lineage as a bunch of dogma and rules, and you want to be stuck and identified with it then you're definitely at, um, (laughs) you know, a disadvantage. But, you know, Acharya Dharma, the the ancient Vedas say that an Acharya cannot be stuck by dogma and must reinterpret the knowledge honestly based upon the era in which they are teaching. So I personally think that having a broken marriage is an advantage to me to teach in the 21st century than a disadvantage. And... um, so all of that. So if a lineage is the lineage of the wisdom tradition that is accurate and its interpretation st- and its dissemination can be a bit different, it's okay. But if you're going to say, we have to wear the turban this way and we have to wear the mala this way and we have to, if you're going to be in that, then you're in an adv- disadvantage period. <laughs> right. Okay. i, I have a- are never about this. This is all human-made dogma.
0: Yeah, uh, Acharya, Sunya, I have a question. Uh, and then let's get into the book. But one, one question, I find you to be very clear and articulate in your descriptions of uh, lineage spirituality in general, and the stuff I've read of yours. Uh, a question that sometimes is asked, and it's not an easy answer when you somebody comes who has no background in non duality. And they ask the simple question, what do you mean by non duality? How do you answer that?
1: I say that while we have different bodies and minds, there is something common between all of us. And that which is common is pure awareness. It is not physical, it is entirely spiritual. And the discovery of that commonality, that that which unites us is the journey of non from duality, non-duality. And it's not that when we discover that everything will become a homogeneous mass, of awareness, we will still see differences, except that we will know that the, that there is a unity that underlies this diversity. There is a oneness that underlies this duality. And knowing that is going to give birth to dharma, to compassion, to nonviolence, and to the higher way and the sacred way of engaging. So non-duality is an attitude change, it's a belief change, and it's a change at the level of knowingness. It's a cognitive, understanding of the universe where you are able to grasp a commonality between all of us versus just seeing the separation that the mind perceives and then believing that's the only truth. So Mm -hmm. that's how I would describe it.
2: Uh, uh, Let's talk about your, your new book from Sounds True Sovereign Self. And oh, look, I'm looking at the back now and I see uh, endorsement quotes from uh, from you, one from me. There's one from me. (laughs) Yes. And um, one, two, three, four people who have been on our podcast and our friends. Uh, The subtitle, claim your inner joy and freedom with the empowering wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita. So you, as I look through the book, you are drawing uh, extensively from the primary Vedantic texts, and, and some from the older Vedas, um, and adapting them with modern language in a uh, which is probably an advantage of having a householder lineage uh, as opposed to a monastic lineage. Um, tell for our listeners why you chose to uh, draw so much on the Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita. Tell us uh, the authoritative uh, voice that uh, you, you, you uh, why you chose to do it that way.
1: As an acharya of a Vedic tradition, I'm an ambassador for these source texts. And I felt that um, sometimes we draw from them, but we don't give them credit. Sometimes there is appropriation going on, not just in the West, but in India too, everywhere. So I wanted to make people aware in the 21st century that there was, an, there was an oral and then a later a written tradition that is deeply helpful for our psychology, for our existential problems. Um, that's one thing. Number two, whatever I teach or say, it is our habit to either quote our guru that I didn't learn it. I learned it from the parampara and the parampara then goes back to Shastra, the text. And then the texts then go back to the Rishis and Rishikas, the seers. And then finally in our case to Narayana Vishnu. So we have this parampara and it is part of our training to always represent that. So even if I'm teaching Uh, how to consciously have boundaries in communication or relationships, which is a very modern issue. I'm not exactly teaching Chittivritti Nirodha. I'm not teaching that. I'm teaching how to be less agitated during an argument. Well, I'm excited to say that, that that was the exact teaching of Krishna to Arjuna in the Mahabharata. And so I, I guess I'm the nerd or a scholar you'll identify with that. And I like to draw parallels and I don't feel diminished by doing that. I don't feel like I need to own or be original in that sense, because as an Acharya, I believe that this knowledge is complete um, and it is, and the, the, the definition of reality or truth in the Vedas is that which is effective in all eras, past, present, future, for all people, not just brown people or Hindus or vegetarians. And it is effective in resolving the human condition. And this knowledge is that kind of knowledge. So I feel excited to be its ambassador and, uh, and to indulge my inner nerd.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Acharya, I wanted to ask somebody, uh, one of our listeners hears you today, gets very inspired, get your book, read your book, gets more inspired. And if they were to come to you then and say, I I'm, I want to move in this direction of of spirituality, of understanding non-duality, not just intellectually, but experientially. What what do you tell them to do for their next step?
1: Well, I hope to check out my website, which I'm sure you'll share. And then- so We'll have that posted.
0: Is, up, by the way. Give us your website.
1: It's just my name, acharishunya.com. It's mm-hmm. just my name. You can you can also go to awakenself.com. It's the same website with different names.
0: We'll have all that open up, up, yep.
1: Yeah, and then I have a 15-week course coming up. It starts on February 29th, and then it repeats again in August, and it's just going to repeat every year, twice a year.
0: So February 29th, this is... This year,
1: this year. 2021.
0: Yeah, 2021,
1: 2021. and then again in August. I don't have the exact date handy, but in 2021, and in this 15-week course, if people were delighted by my writing and they felt like something was awakening within them, they could come and join me in these very intimate conversations and contemplations, meditations. And it's online, side. of course. Yes, online. So
0: no matter where you are in the world, you can take it.
1: No matter where Same you time. are in the world. Yes.
2: Great. So um, we're recording this in uh, mid-February of 2021. We'll have it up. So if people listening to this early on will have the opportunity to sign up for your course at the end of February. If they listen later, they can do it in August or in the future. Um, And I would, I've never taken your course, but I'm going to endorse it in advance because your book is filled with instructions for practices, meditative practices, uh, reflective practices. And I would guess that in your uh, online courses you will be giving the inst- instructions verbally and giving uh, and discussing the, the practices. And I would think that that's uh, an advantage as a fellow author. I know the challenges of putting instructions in writing and having people have to read and practice and all that so I would I would think online you'll be sharing a lot of practices directly is that correct
1: absolutely and then sharing for my heart because I'm one of those spontaneous people and you know sometimes while teaching my own emotions come up or 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 a memory comes up and you know it, it's it just it, it, it's like really learning heart to heart or that kind of scenario yeah I would have liked to sit under a tree and teach forever and ever and ever (laughs) but then now I have brought it down to 15 weeks but there's enough enough material to really walk away feeling much more clear than when we entered before
0: yeah with your background here and by the way for those listening in we're also available on a YouTube channel now on video and there's a beautiful tree and I feel like I'm sitting with a teacher who's sitting under a beautiful tree uh, giving knowledge. Um, the um, other, other question th- that I would ask is, um, we are in February, 2021. Uh, it's a very trying time. There's a worldwide pandemic. There's great division uh, in this country. Uh, we, people are mostly looking politically on the outside for solutions. What do you recommend to people who want a more harmonious world and a more harmonious and healthy life.
2: Oh, I think Acharya has frozen.
0: It usually comes back.
2: Have we lost you, Shunya?
0: You can come back on.
2: Uh-oh. This hasn't well, well, happened. While
0: we're waiting for her to come back, Bon, maybe we could discuss some okay. of them. generally, oh. I think she will uh Phil. I oh there you are.
2: Yes, yeah, uh, just the two of us now. If you
0: reconnect with her, she could reconnect with you.
2: Well she'll we'll have to here she is. She's coming back.
0: All right. And if you could hold up her book one more time. Yeah, we'll hear her.
2: All right, Shunya, are you back? Ah, okay. Dennis was in the middle, was asking you a question. When you I,
0: I I asked a question about. We're in a very time of great division in the country, a global pandemic. Most people are looking outward for solutions through politics or whatever. What advice would you give to people that would want a more harmonious and joyful life in a more harmonious uh, community and, uh, and world?
1: Well, one day should read Phil's book because it's ah, exactly accurate. that is that is the correct answer. Thank That's you. That's the correct answer.
0: <laughs> That's part uh, part A of the answer, yeah.
1: <laughs> and his book, and his book endorses my opinion that the, the world is a field of concerns, but the field of influence lies within. So if we want to make a change or cope with the change, first cope with it and then make a difference. We have to go within and activate um, our inner resources which i think both our books are about and that's what i'm so excited about those books. Oh, I,
2: I think that's and, and yours different. is I'm much sure. thicker than mine yeah. so you have much more in
0: it i, I started <laughs> i started tm in, the, in 1970 and what motivated me was the world was seemed upside down then and everything outside wasn't working and the and i heard about going inside it was all new to me and that made all the difference in the world so I think Very you're
2: quite right, spot true. on. Um, speaking of which, since you mentioned my book, uh, I was a guest on your podcast, um, which is called Shadow to Self. So I wanted to uh, make that known that uh, for our listeners to check out the Shadow to Self podcast that Acharya runs. Um, let me I want to ask you a question. Do, do, do people treat you who are students of yours, do they treat you in a, in a traditional uh, chela sort of guru to, and student way? Do you, or do you prefer that they treat you in a, <laughs> in a different way? I'm, I'm just fascinated by the, the, the relationship that people have with teachers and the model of guru disciple that uh, came to us from India and whether uh, you people uh, adopt that with you.
1: In my case, and so in my grandfather's case, we respect is non-negotiable, but that's in every relationship. I like to be respected and I like to be um, I like honesty and truth. You might be gauging that now that we're talking more, but I am an informal person and I dismissed with all that chela and, you know, adulate. I don't need adulation. I self-adulate myself. I'm, <laughs> I love myself and I don't need that constantly. And I personally think that it's uh, not the original Vedic way. That is a pathology that has emanated from India and traveled worldwide. This is not how uh, true teachers and true true disciples communicate. The teacher is a consultant and the teacher says, this is what worked for me, this shall work for you. This has been mentioned in the text. And uh, when it happens, the student bows to the teacher out of deep respect, but they have become equals in consciousness. And uh, that is how it should be. So once a year, maybe on Guru Purma, students bring a garland and they make it themselves and they thank me. And then I turn around and thank my parampara and they are learning the same. And I have no room to develop a deviant spiritual ego um, at this stage of my life. I'm more excited about my own inner journey than like the watching who made the big garland and who made the small garland. <laughs> It, it, it's it's irrelevant to me at this point. So I have a more informal, friendly guide, guiding parental, and yet um, not not too much. I'm also I, I speak very eloquently when I am asked to, but I like to read and write. So I'm an introverted person. So I barely meet people, and I love it that everything is online now because then I don't have to leave my house so i'm a different kind of teacher i guess and and it's okay
2: and when i so if i visit you when all this pandemic is over in the bay area and i don't touch your foot feet you'll be okay with that
1: yeah you'll just have to knock three times <laughs> and we left dry
2: okay
0: uh well I, I wanted to ask as we're getting toward the end of the show, we have two minutes left though and that is uh, what your plans are uh, for the future. Will you continue uh, to give your 15 lesson course, uh, 15 week course rather, and, uh, or do you have new plans going to the future? Uh, Are there advanced courses that come after that course?
1: We have found, and as you will see through the book, that the Vedas and Bhagavad Gita Upanishads were really supreme texts of human psychology. So this 15 week course is a preamble of sorts to a coaching for coaches. Where we are, I have a I have a student who's a psychologist and a respected teacher of Western psychology who's taking my teachings and making it available for people to bring Vedic psychology teachings into mainstream psychology. So that's happening. I'm also opening um, kind of like a wisdom school where people can be a member, not a not necessarily a devotee, but a member of my wisdom school where on a monthly basis, you know, Phil, they learn the Vedic way, which is happy way, positive way. We have uh, some festivals, some positive thinking and ecology consciousness to bring all that like on a daily basis, people who don't want to go into self-actualization and self realization, but maybe they can learn a new way to look at their family members, a new way to have duty towards their parents. Mm -hmm. So some of those things I want to bring into the world, not the Hindu way necessarily, but the conscious way from the Mm Vedas. So a lot of exciting things. I'm also um, publishing a new book Um, exactly next year, in February 1st, it's coming out by Sounds True. It's called Roar Like a Goddess. It's for women, and it's called Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful. It's based on the archetypes of Lakshmi, Durga, and Saraswati. And growing up in India, I found how the pundits had converted them into domestic goddesses to toe the line of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. But if you go into the deep mythology and the original teachings that my Baba gave me, my guru gave me and my, my mother gave me, these were out of the box goddesses. These were very powerful women. So it is a book on patriarchy and um, how it has seeped into women worldwide. It doesn't teach a simple rebellion. It teaches a dharma of truth and power, empowered uh, dharma of, uh, you know, uh, taking responsibility for your own life. So I'm very excited about that. Book but too. when
2: that when that comes out, you'll have to revi- come back and visit Great. us again. Uh, Charu, your, 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 exactly. uh we have a few minutes left. Your previous book was called Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. So um, obviously uh, Ayurveda is part of your training and uh, your repertoire. Um, have you brought Ayurvedic teachings uh, and integrated them in with the spiritual teachings in your work? And how relevant has Ayurveda been uh, as a preventive and treatment modality uh, during the pandemic?
1: Huge. And my community worldwide, I'm happy to say nobody has got pandemic has been victim of the pandemic. And I also have a free e-booklet on how to prevent uh, all kinds of infections, including this one on my website. And I want to say, Phil, that I actually am part of the revival of the classical Ayurveda. Because the modern Ayurveda is because of the colonial stamping in India, the the way Ayurveda has emerged from India and being nestled in the West is we're just like so apologetic for our existence. We are trying to prove everything uh, based on evidence, whereas it's the paradigm is spiritual. The energies cannot be seen and tested in a laboratory. So I teach the more Vedic Ayurveda, where there is a concept of consciousness, dharma, Dharma being a medicine, truth speaking being a medicine. And so I am happy to tell you that Ayurveda lifestyle wisdom through which you gave beautiful testimonial has become a classic in Ayurveda, translated in several languages across the world and became top 10 books in alternative medicine in the year of its publication. And it continues to grow. And I think I'm developing a whole community of people including practitioners of Ayurveda who say, Oh my God, we didn't know that these aspects of Ayurveda were still there because we're so focused on doshas and fixing the body because we mimic. In India, we mimic whatever is happening in the West. And once again, you know, I had to go back and say, you know what? Let people do what they need to do, but I'm going to do what I believe in. And slow and steady, it's been a movement. And, a, um, it's 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 happening every day. I teach Ayurveda, and I think it's my first love, kind of, uh. because everybody has body needs, <laughs> mental needs, mm-hmm. and not everybody understands non-dual teachings, but Ayurveda they do. So
2: very good. So that free booklet will come in handy, and I'm glad you mentioned Absolutely. it. And uh, our listeners should take advantage of that. Yes. Dennis,
0: we have a couple of minutes left, maybe two minutes left, and uh, any final words you'd like to share with our uh, listeners and and viewers?
1: (laughs) Well, I just think that if you do what you do, then you get to have the company of two amazing people and have a chit-chat about your book. But ultimately, one of the reasons I was really looking forward to coming on to this particular podcast, I've been doing a podcast tour and a blog tour, like when a book comes out. But just knowing that you know what I'm talking about, where I come from, and and, and you have a, a bird's eye view of what it means to be representing a lineage and and the different pathways that can be taken and the and the somewhat 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 self-defined pathway I'm taking, and yet holding this knowledge with great care is you know, it's nice to be seen. That's one thing, you know, in the West. And number two, um, I think your book, Phil, um, The American Veda, helped me. I, I remember reading it in a flight to India many, many years ago. And it actually helped me because I realized that what happens when you're carrying this beautiful knowledge and what's the moral responsibility of the custodian. It's not like I needed your book to tell me about that responsibility, but it definitely underlined how important it is in today's world of media and psychophancy and and the Westerners being sincere, but not knowing even where Ayodhya is or what's happening, how it is important not just to teach, but to teach being grounded in your own self-restraint and grounded in your own rules and clarifying that. So I just wanted to thank you oh. for that. And Dennis for, I've been watching the podcast that you guys oh, are doing and the conversations. It's just wonderful to you. be here. Well, thank you're
2: me. the best kind of guest. You, real <laughs> no, you thank, thank you. And, and thank you for returning the favor with sovereign self. It's very worthwhile for all of our listeners and viewers. Thank you so much Acharya for coming on with us. Keep up the good work and uh, we'll be in touch and look forward to the next book, which I'm sure
1: conversations. Yes. which
2: I'm sure will be useful for men as well as all the goddesses. Thank you again, take care.